We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 346 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, June 29th, 2022, the day after some exciting, terrific, and very welcome Commander's News. The team reportedly has agreed with Terry McLaurin on a three-year contract extension. As Jason Wright said on the Today Show on NBC this past February 2nd in announcing the team's new name of Commanders. There it is. Yes, Jason, there it is. A Terry McLaurin contract extension with the Commanders. There it is. The Commanders have agreed on an extension with Terry McLaurin. Hello and welcome to a festive Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, on which I talk commanders on every show, not some shows, not most shows, every show. And my friends, we have joyous commanders content on this show. The commanders getting a contract extension with Terry McLaurin was something that they so needed to do. And I felt all along that a deal would get done. I know that many of you felt all along that a deal would get done. Uh, My mantra was, hey, the time to panic wasn't until the start of Commander's training camp. Look at other big money contract extensions done in off-seasons past by our team. Those extensions tend to happen deep into off-seasons, like the Jonathan Allen contract extension of last July. Well, this Terry McLaurin extension has been agreed to in late June. Uh, This is good. This is really good. Know this. The commanders extending Terry McLaurin marks the first time that the team has re-signed or extended a receiver via a multi-year contract since Santana Moss in July 2011. We are in June 2022, and this Terry McLaurin extension marks the first time that the team has re-signed or extended a receiver via a multi-year contract since Santana Moss, since the Tana Man in July 2011. It has been a while 
But finally, that drought is over. Next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of our joyous commander's news. How often do you hear that phrase, joyous commander's news, including why exactly Terry McLaurin is worthy of a big money contract extension, why the deal is a good deal for both Terry and the team, and the encouraging trend that Terry agreeing on this extension continues It is a trend that is to the dismay of the commander's haters out there. But I'm sorry, truth is truth. Uh, But yeah, very excited to share in the joy of this news with you. We have had so many negative things to talk about with the commanders for so long. This is like a jolt of energy. This is like a shot of adrenaline into all of us as commanders fans here. And it comes at the perfect time not just in the midst of all of this Dan Snyder workplace misconduct scandal Congress stuff, but also in the midst of the deadest period of the year in terms of commander's news, right? Because we're in the midst of the off-season break, the break between off-season practices and the start of training camp. Well, here we now have a massive development, a contract extension for Terry McLaurin. Also on the show, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, Another win for the Nats. A 3-1 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates at Nationals Park on Tuesday night as, you ready for this? Patrick Corbin was great. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Patrick Corbin was great. One run in eight innings, 12 strikeouts. Uh, We on Tuesday night at Nationals Park had one of the worst pitchers in the majors in Corbin facing one of the worst offensive teams in the majors in the Pirates. This is like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, but the irresistible force that is Patrick Corbin prevailed. Uh, Also, the Nats for a second consecutive night had a two-run eighth inning to take the lead late in the game. Uh, And I'll talk Orioles late in the show. They lost late night on Tuesday night, got one hit, in fact, a 2-0 loss at the Seattle Mariners, despite another very good start by Dean Kramer. Seven scoreless innings. Dean Kramer last season was horrendous at the Major League level. Dean Kramer so far this season has been really good at the Major League level. Uh, I want to get into that with you. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joe Rosnowski on Dan Snyder, writes Joe, What about the possibility that maybe the other NFL owners don't mind Danny's improprieties because the other NFL owners look good by comparison? And how much more money would they actually get if Washington was a winning organization? And do the Eagles, Cowgirls, and Gents really want Jeff Bezos to come in and make Washington successful? It will be hard to come by enough votes to oust Dan Thanks for all of your great work. Every show is a winner. Uh, Thank you for that, Joe. Yeah, I don't at all dismiss the idea that part of what has kept the other NFL owners from ousting Dan Snyder is that he makes them look good by comparison. And his team usually isn't good. And thus, three longtime NFL franchises with three longtime ownerships, right, end up benefiting in the Dallas Cowboys of Jerry Jones, the New York Giants of the Maras and Tishes, and the Philadelphia Eagles of Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, in life, if you're bad, but someone else is worse, then you look good by comparison. And that's not necessarily the right way to look at things, but that is the way that people tend to look at things. Uh, Email from David Hilliard on Dan Snyder, the Commanders, 
and Congress. Writes David, my opinion is that the House committee is attempting to use this investigation of Dan Snyder and the commanders as a means of establishing the need to vacate NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. This would give Congress another avenue to attack the former president. I don't believe that Congress is at all concerned with the well-being of the team, the NFL, or even the United States. This is well outside of what the committee should be looking into. I also suspect that the conduct of Snyder is no different than the conduct of other owners. This is why the NFL hasn't kicked him to the curb. It is unreasonable to think Snyder isn't going to take steps to protect himself. I think that if I were an owner, I'd have eliminated cheerleaders altogether. Uh, Thank you for that email, David. You know, you hit on a number of topics. Uh, To your point on the NDAs, Keep in mind what Representative Carolyn B. Maloney, the chairwoman of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, recently did. She, on June 17th, introduced two pieces of legislation based off Congress's investigation into the commanders. One of the pieces of legislation is a bill called the Accountability for Workplace Misconduct Act. It focuses on what she called the abuse of non-disclosure agreements, the abuse of NDAs, as NDAs have been a big part of of the commander's workplace misconduct scandal. But when it comes to Congress's involvement with the commander's I now believe two things to be true. Number one, Dan Snyder, of course, has been a terrible NFL owner. And he, at the very least, allowed a totally dysfunctional and toxic workplace culture to exist for years. He may well have participated in and perpetuated the culture himself. And that we now know that he has not one but two sexual assault allegations from former Redskins employees on his resume really is something. I mean, if all of this stuff is true, Dan deserves whatever he gets. However, number two, what Congress is doing with the commanders, in my opinion, is an example of congressional overreach. And that the House Committee on Oversight and Reform is so focused on Dan Snyder and the commanders and yet has done little, if not nothing, regarding the rest of the NFL's workplace problems, whether you're talking about what has come up with the Las Vegas Raiders or what has come up with the Dallas Cowboys or what has come up in a number of other workplaces across the country, is telling. Like, why is the committee so fixated on Dan Snyder and the commanders? Why hasn't the committee summoned people from other NFL teams, other sports teams, other industries, if the committee truly wants to tackle workplace misconduct and make workplaces safer for women? Like, ask yourself that question. I mean, the committee, if it's so concerned about workplace misconduct and making workplaces safer for women, should be looking into, like, Hollywood, okay? I mean, Hollywood allowed this monster Harvey Weinstein to run rampant for years. It was an open secret in Hollywood what Harvey Weinstein was doing. How many women have been raped and harassed in Hollywood over the years? If the committee truly wants to make workplaces safer for women, then make workplaces safer for women in all industries. So I do think that that is a valid criticism of what's going on here with Congress. Again, Dan deserves what he gets, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong to have questions about what exactly Congress is doing here and why exactly Congress is doing what it's doing here. Well, if you have questions about the real estate market in the Washington, D.C. area in these uh, tricky economic times, if you are wanting to buy a home in the D.C. area but are unsure about some things given everything going on with our economy, do not hesitate to contact Kellen Hunt. Visit Close It With Kel. Dot com. That's Close It With Kel, K-E-L-L 
Kellenhunt.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt understands the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, and he is here for you to listen to what you want no matter your situation in life. Whether you're a first-time buyer looking for guidance or you have a young family looking for a bigger home or you're ready to retire and or are looking to downsize, Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. He's a great guy and he will listen to you. He's not just some know-it-all. He works for you. He takes in what you're looking for and then gets to work. Smart, attention to detail, creative. Put Kellen Hunt to work for you. And Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer get a piece of the action. Who doesn't want that in these economic times? Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. As is always the case, I appreciate you listening to the Al Galdi podcast. If you have never rated the podcast, please consider doing that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give this podcast a five-star rating. And if you have never written a review of the podcast, please consider doing that. You can write a review of the podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast. Uh, the ratings and the reviews help to make the podcast successful. And thank you very much for doing the ratings and the reviews. It is not easy being a fan of the NFL team now known as the Commanders. Uh, we are constantly beaten down with bad news. We especially have been beaten down with bad and scandalous news over the last two years. Being a fan of the NFL team now known as the Commanders is tough. And so when we as Commanders fans get good news, when we as Commanders fans get reason to be happy, we should not be shy. We should not be bashful. We instead should be loud and proud with our celebrating of the good news. We as Commanders fans have earned the right to enjoy our good news. And so let us on this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast enjoy the oh-so-good Commanders news that broke on Tuesday afternoon. The Commanders and receiver Terry McLaurin on Tuesday afternoon reportedly agreed on a three-year contract extension. The number one football question for the Commanders this offseason, beyond the search for a franchise quarterback, has been answered and has been answered in the affirmative. Will the Commanders get a contract extension with Terry McLaurin done this offseason? The answer is in, and the answer is, hails to the yeah. In fact, as our friend Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. Give me a hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, there will be no Terry McLaurin contract situation come the start of Commander's training camp on July 27th. There will be no Terry McLaurin contract situation come the 2022 season. There will be no franchise tagging of Terry McLaurin next offseason. There will be no talk 
of the commanders potentially trading Terry McLaurin because they can't agree on a contract extension. All of those possibilities now have gone bye-bye. Say bye-bye to all of those possibilities. It feels so good (laughs) to say bye-bye to all of those possibilities. The Terry McLaurin contract situation will not be the Kirk Cousins contract situation. The Terry McLaurin contract situation will not be the Brandon Sheriff contract situation. The Terry McLaurin contract situation is done. It is finished. It is over. And that is outstanding news. Feel good about this news. And forget about Terry McLaurin having no-showed the commander's mandatory minicamp earlier this month. That now is water under the bridge. Now, I thought that that was an unnecessarily harsh step, but whatever, okay? Jimmy Crackcorn, and I no longer care, all right? The contract extension is done. No player on the commander's has earned more of a benefit of the doubt for something like no-showing a mandatory minicamp than Terry McLaurin has. So let's get into some analysis of uh, what has happened here. So whenever a team that I root for signs a player to a big money contract, there is a test that I put the signing through. There are four boxes that I like to be checked when a team that I root for signs a player to a big money contract. Uh, Those four boxes are production, attitude, durability, and age. Does the player check each of those boxes? If so, great. If not, well, why not? And exactly how many of those boxes isn't he checking? Well, Terry McLaurin checks every one of those boxes. And his checks in these boxes are like giant flashing checks so that you can't possibly miss them. So we'll start with production. Is Terry McLaurin productive? Is he worthy of a big money contract extension. Give me a hell yeah! Exactly, Stone Cold. Uh, Terry McLaurin is the best receiver taken by Washington out of college in an NFL draft since Art Monk. Point blank, period. That's not some hot take. That's not hyperbole. That's not exaggerating the reality. No. Terry McLaurin is the best receiver taken by Washington out of college in an NFL draft since Art Monk. You can look it up. The Redskins took Terry in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft out of Ohio State. He is the best receiver taken by the franchise out of college in an NFL draft since the Skins took Art Monk in the first round of the 1980 NFL Draft out of Syracuse. 1980 to 2019. Think about that. Uh, Terry in the 2021 regular season became the first Washington player with consecutive 1,000 receiving yard regular seasons since receiver Henry Ellard had three consecutive 1,000 receiving yard regular seasons from 1994 through 1996. Terry finished the 2021 regular season number one in the NFL with 25 contested catches for pro football focus. Terry in the 2021 regular season was number three among all receivers in the NFL with at least 100 targets in lowest drop rate for pro football focus at 2.5%. Terry, over his first three NFL seasons, has generated 1.18 wins above replacement for pro football focus, ranking number seven among all NFL receivers during that span. I can keep going, but you get the idea. What about attitude? Does Terry McLaurin have a good attitude? Does he check that box? 
Give me a hell yeah! Exactly, Stone Cold. As if I even had to ask this question. Uh, there, of course, have been countless diva receivers in the NFL over the years. Terry Over's first three NFL seasons has played with a merry-go-round of quarterbacks. Eight different starting quarterbacks, to be precise. Uh, Terry Over's first three NFL seasons has caught passes from seven different quarterbacks. Not once, not one time, has there been even like a whiff of complaining or controversy with Terry. Uh, Consider this. Terry, for the 2021 regular season for Pro Football Focus, had the lowest rate of catchable targets among all receivers who each had at least 100 targets. Just 62.7% of Terry's targets in the 2021 regular season were deemed catchable by PFF. 62.7%. That's it. And yet, nary even a whiff of complaining or controversy with Terry McLaurin. Terry is the anti-diva receiver. That is so refreshing to see. And, you know, it's interesting that Terry is the best receiver taken by Washington out of college in an NFL draft since Art Monk, because there are some real similarities between Terry McLaurin and Art Monk in terms of attitude. Uh, Next up, durability. Does Terry McLaurin check that box? Uh, Stone Cold, you tell me. Give me a hell yeah. Exactly. Uh, Terry McLaurin, over his first three NFL seasons, has played in 46 of a possible 49 regular season games. We call that durable. And then age. Is Terry McLaurin still young? Give me a hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terry McLaurin is still young. Uh, The 2022 season will be just his age 27 season. He is in his athletic prime. So, production, check. Attitude, check. Durability, check. Age, check. Every box is checked by Terry McLaurin. Now we arrive at the terms of Terry McLaurin's contract extension with the commanders. So, you always have to be careful with NFL contract terms so soon after the contracts are agreed to because agents leak the contract terms and put the best possible spins on the contract terms, and then what the true terms of the contracts are can end up being uh, a bit different than what we're initially told. So I do reserve the right to modify my take on the Terry McLaurin contract extension, but this does appear to be a good deal for both sides. Uh, The reported terms of Terry's extension with the commanders, a three-year extension worth up to about $71 million. The extension reportedly includes a $28 million signing bonus, Uh, which is the biggest signing bonus ever for an NFL receiver. The extension reportedly includes about $53 million in guarantees. Now, whether the $53 million in guarantees are $53 million guaranteed at signing or just $53 million in guarantees, because the two things are different, we're not 100% sure. So we'll see, okay? But that's what we know about Terry's contract extension with the commander. So from Terry's perspective, good deal. Uh, A, he gets paid. B, he can retest the market in just a few years. Uh, This is only a three-year extension. The NFL salary cap by then should be to the moon. Uh, From the commander's perspective, good deal. A, they now have cost certainty with their number one receiver. B, the contract extension doesn't kick in until next season when the salary cap is expected to have soared. C, they have their number one receiver under team control 
through his age 30 season. Just to be clear, the commanders will have Terry under team control for four more seasons, 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025. The extension kicks in beginning with the 2023 season. The 2025 season will be Terry's age 30 season. Boy, is that beautiful from a club perspective. Having a premier player under contract through his athletic prime and then having the ability to no longer have to pay that player beyond that athletic prime. Uh, Now with Terry McLaurin, it may well be that he is good for years beyond his athletic prime and that the commanders want to keep and pay him for those years. But it'll be nice for the commanders to have the option not to do that. This is not some extension that is going to attach Terry McLaurin to the commanders deep into his 30s. Like, no, uh, the final season of this contract extension, Terry's age 30 season, that 2025 season. Understand that we now know that athletes' physical primes are earlier than originally thought. Uh, An athlete's physical prime is not, say, 28 to 32, as people used to think. An athlete's physical prime is more like 24 to 28. Now, that doesn't mean that at 30, like you lose all physical tools, but your peak as an athlete, your peak in terms of your athletic gifts tends to be more 24 to 28 than 28 to 32. The timing of this contract extension in terms of the years that it covers could end up being quite good for the commanders. Let's also make this clear. Uh, The price is fair. Three years, 71 million dollars. That works out to an average annual value, an AAV of $23.67 million. And remember, the contract extension reportedly is worth up to about $71 million. Again, we'll see what the true value of the extension ends up being. But let's just say that the extension is a three-year $71 million extension. A $23.67 million AAV for Terry McLaurin is more than reasonable. The Philadelphia Eagles on April 28th acquired receiver A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans and then signed him to a big money contract extension. A.J. Brown has been used as a comp for Terry McLaurin, given that each guy is a good receiver who was taken with a non-first round pick in the 2019 NFL draft. Well, Brown's AAV is $25 million. Terry's is $23.67 million. No complaints for me as a Commanders fan. Commanders get Terry at a lower AAV than that of A.J. Brown. Giddy up. I'm good with that. There's also this. The fact that Terry McLaurin, one of the top receivers in the NFL, has decided to stay with the Commanders. And this, to me, is yet another blow to the fake news, false narrative that nobody wants to play for the Commanders. Nobody wants to stay with the Commanders. Nobody wants to come to the Commanders. Yeah, nobody except all of the players now (laughs) who have decided to stay with the team over the last few years and the players who have decided to come to the team over the last few years. Uh, Washington now, over the last 18 months, has signed the following significant players to contract extensions. Center Chase Rulier, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, tight end Logan Thomas, left tackle Charles Leno Jr., and now receiver Terry McLaurin once his extension becomes official. All of those guys, each of whom is a good player, decided to remain with the team. Things are so bad and so awful with the team that all of these guys 
decided to stay. How about running back J.D. McKissick in March, reneging on an unrestricted free agent contract with a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills in order to, yes, re-sign with the commanders and for the same terms to which he had agreed with the Bills. Uh, How about the 2021 offseason, which featured arguably the best corner in free agency, William Jackson III, and one of the best receivers in free agency, Curtis Samuel, signing with Washington. Now, forget about how those guys did in their first seasons with Washington. Not so great. Uh, but those guys still chose to come to Washington. Money and opportunity are what NFL players care about the most. And I'm not saying that the commanders are some NFL paradise, okay? They are not. Certainly the quarterback who the commanders most wanted to trade for this offseason in terms of realistically available quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, he chose the Denver Broncos over the commanders. But can we please stop with this notion that nobody wants to play for the commanders? Nobody wants to stay with the commanders. Nobody wants to come to the commanders. It's not true, okay? Again, our team is not an NFL paradise. Our team has a lot of work to do, no doubt. But our team also isn't like the hellhole <laughs> that some people like to make it out to be. So good job, Terry McLaurin. Good job, commanders. Hey, this is a very important development that we now know that the Ron Rivera administration can get contract extensions done with premier players. First, Jonathan Allen, now Terry McLaurin. Kudos to Ron. Kudos to general manager Martin Mayhew. Kudos to senior vice president of football administration, Rob Rogers. This is happy news. Enjoy it. We deserve it. Up next, I'm talking Nationals. Uh, They on Tuesday night won again a sixth win in eight games and thanks in no small part to a gem from Patrick Corbin. Yeah, I said gem from Patrick Corbin. Much more straight ahead. Well, eating healthy, it's something that we would all like to do, but it's not something that's always easy, enjoyable, and affordable to do. This is where Factor comes in. Factor is a meal delivery plan that provides you with healthy, delicious, and affordable food, and you right now can save $120 on Factor meals just by being a listener of this podcast. Whether you're trying to get or stay lean, or you're trying to put on muscle, Factor gets the job done and saves you hours per week in that you don't have to worry about food shopping, cooking, or doing dishes. Factor provides you with prepared meals that are fresh, never frozen. Uh, We're talking food from animals that are grass-fed and pasture-raised, food that is antibiotic, hormone, and preservative-free. Factor meals are put together by registered dietitians and expert chefs who work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. The meals are delicious. You'll have a hard time believing that they're actually good for you. And Factor offers 30 meals per week. You can choose from a variety of new meals every week, so you'll never get bored. Uh, Like many of you, I try to eat healthy. I go to the gym. I eat Factor meals. They're terrific. And you can't beat the convenience. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. You can't beat this. So here's a special offer. Visit Go dot factor 75 dot com slash Galdi 120 
and use the code GALDI120 to get $120 off. Yeah, you heard that right, $120 off. Who couldn't use an extra 120 bucks right now with gas prices and inflation? That's go.factor75.com slash GALDI120 and use the code GALDI120 to get $120 off. Give Factor a try. Eat well. Save yourself time and money. Visit go.factor75.com slash GALDI120 and use the code Galdi 120 to get $120 off. You got to try Factor because fitness starts with food. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, there are many things about the decline of national starting pitcher Patrick Corbin over the last three years that have been frustrating. But to me, an underrated frustrating aspect of the decline of Corbin is that he does have some good outings. Uh, Corbin has been a really bad pitcher since the start of the 2020 season, and he has gotten worse over each season since. But within these seasons actually have been more good games than you may think. His bad games have been really awful, and he has had too many other games that have not been good, but he has had some good outings, showing us that within him, somewhere, remains some semblance of the pitcher who was so good for the Nats in their 2019 World Series championship season. Well, Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night had not just a good outing, but a great outing as the Nats won again, a 3-1 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates at Nationals Park. The Nats now have won three consecutive games. The Nats now have won six of their last eight games. Nats manager, Davey Martinez, the boys, your boys, are on a nice run here. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, Davey, proud of the boys. The Nats in the 2022 regular season now are 29 and 48. Yes, within 19 games of 500. So we have that. Uh, Nats are last in the National League East, have the second worst record in the NL, and the Nats still have the worst run differential in the NL, though that's now at minus 108. The Pirates, by the way, have the second worst run differential in the NL at minus 102. We had more late-inning heroics for the Nats on Tuesday night. More on those heroics in a bit. But yeah, Patrick Corbin, he on Tuesday night really was shockingly great. One run in eight innings, 12 strikeouts. Yeah, 
12 strikeouts. He pitched like an ace on Tuesday night. Uh, Corbin gave up just five hits, a homer, and four singles. He issued two walks. Uh, he threw 113 pitches, 73 strikes versus 40 balls. Uh, Corbin in the top of the six gave up a two-out full count opposite field solo homer to Diego Castillo to right center field to tie the game at one despite Castillo having been down to the count at 1.02. But that was the only major mistake by Corbin in the game. And the 12 strikeouts really are what stood out. You know, Corbin's strikeout rate has plummeted in his overall decline over the last three seasons. Uh, He was very much a strikeout pitcher in the 2018 and 2019 seasons. His strikeout rate has declined dramatically since that 2019 season. But Corbin on Tuesday night was very much a strikeout pitcher. His 12 strikeouts tied for his most strikeouts ever in a major league game. Now, he did do all of this against a Pirates team that is atrocious offensively. Okay, so that does need to be understood. The Pirates went into Tuesday just 28th out of 30 major league teams in team-weighted runs created plus for the 2022 regular season at 84. 100 is league average. 84 is putrid for a team. But still, Corbin on Tuesday night was great. This was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on Patrick Corbin. He was good. Um, but like, you know, I, 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 we, we keep going back to like his previous outings and he's just been getting, you know, he's been getting better and better, you know, so we don't, we haven't scored for him. Um, but tonight was, he was good with everything. I mean, his fastball was electric. His slider was, was, was awesome. You know, we worked ahead of counts. Um, he only fell behind to one ball up, you know, for, for the home run. But other than that, he was, he was, he was money all day. So, um, we get that every five days from Corbin, and um, you know, we're going to be we're going to be good. I know, even when things haven't gone well for him, you've really stood by him all this time. Um, I know some of that is based on what you've seen from him, but how much is also just you wanting to show him the confidence that you still have in him, and what difference that can make? Oh, okay. I mean, you know, hey, he, he's. He's been one of the guys since he's been here, you know, and 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 I and I, and I always felt that way. No matter what, how, what kind of outing he has, um, you know, he, he, without him we wouldn't have done what we've done in nineteen. Yeah, I know he struggled, but you know, I, I really believe that he's got the stuff to continue to be really good, and um, you saw it today. When you look at his overall performance, do you pay more attention to the strikeouts, innings, pitch count, or runs allowed? You know, during the course of a game, I'm just I'm watching. His his stuff, his overall stuff. Like I said today, his fastball was really good. Working both sides of the plate, pounding the strike zone, um, went up when he had to. His slider was was really really good. Um, so you know, I'm just watching him. I watch his stuff. I watch his mechanic, his tempo. His tempo was really good today, which was awesome. So um, you know, he got out in the first inning, first pitch of the game, almost. almost you know, I thought for a second that I thought we were, we were going to lose him there, you know, right away. Um, they settled, settled down, got out of that inning, and then, and then, like I said, the rest of the game, he, he was really good. Yes, he was. Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night was really good. Uh, you can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Michael King on Tuesday night. Wrote Michael, Corbin's best game since the World Series, do you think? Credit for a really good game. Thanks for the email, Mike. Yeah, what we saw from Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night was shades of what he did in the 2019 postseason. Think Game 7 
of the 2019 World Series. 6-2 win at the Houston Astros in World Series Game 7, October 30th, 2019. Corbin in that game, tremendous in relief of Max Scherzer. Three scoreless innings, three strikeouts versus just two hits, both of which were singles and no walks. Uh, Corbin had a high strikeout game in terms of a start in the 2019 postseason as well. The uh, National League pennant clincher, in fact, 7-4 win over the St. Louis Cardinals at Nationals Park in NLCS Game 4, October 15th. 2019. This was an odd game. Corbin, four runs in five innings, but he had 12 strikeouts in the game. Uh, Corbin, in fact, became the first pitcher in postseason history to record 10 strikeouts over the first four innings of a postseason game. His 12 strikeouts tied the record for the most strikeouts by any pitcher in a potential series clincher. Make no mistake, the Patrick Corbin who we saw on Tuesday night was 2019 Patrick Corbin. It was really nice to see that. And so because Corbin on Tuesday night lasted for eight innings, Davey Martinez on Tuesday night only had to use one reliever. Tanner Rainey was that reliever. And he ultimately did get the job done, though he again did not toss a clean inning. Uh, Rainey tossed a scoreless top of the ninth, but he in that scoreless top of the ninth issued a one-out seven-pitch walk of pinch hitter Daniel Vogelback. And Rainey, in that scoreless top of the ninth, gave up a two-out pinch single to Bly Madris. Tanner Rainey has a very mixed statistical profile for the 2022 regular season. He has an ERA of 288. That's pretty good for a closer. Uh, He has a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.8. That's pretty good. But he's only 11 for 14 on saves. He has a whip of 132. That's a pretty high whip for an ace reliever. And he has a walks per nine innings of 3.96. That's a pretty high walk rate for an ace reliever. So it's tricky with Rainey. He at times looks outstanding, but he lately has not looked so outstanding. He's putting way too many guys on base, and we saw him put two more guys on base on Tuesday night, albeit in what ended up being a scoreless top of the ninth inning. Well, I mentioned that we had more late-inning heroics for the Nats on Tuesday night. Yes, we did. So the Nats 3-2 win over the Pirates at Nationals Park on Monday night featured a big home run from Michael Franco. Bottom of the eighth, a two-out first pitch, two-run homer to left field for a 3-2 Nats lead. Well, the Nats 3-1 win over the Pirates at Nationals Park on Tuesday night featured another two-run eighth. Uh, The game was tied at one entering the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Josh Bell began the bottom of the eighth with a leadoff infield single to the right side of the infield. The single came off Pirates reliever Will Crow. Uh, Will Crow is one of two players who the Nats dealt to the Pirates in the trade for Bell on Christmas Eve 2020. Bell on Tuesday night had another good game. He has the Nats starting first baseman and number three batter went two for four with a double in the infield single. Bell in the Nats one run first, a one out double down the left field line despite having been down to the count at 1.02. Then did come two outs for the Nats in the bottom of the eighth, including Nelson Cruz striking out on four pitches for the first out. Cruz is not having a very good series so far. He on Tuesday night as the Nats starting DH and number four batter went 0 for 4 with an RBI ground out and two strikeouts and left three runners on base. Cruz in the Nats one run first had a one out RBI ground out, but Cruz on Monday night as the Nats starting DH and number four batter 0 for 4 with a strikeout left seven men on base. However, we in the Nats two run eighth on Tuesday night got a huge walk from Cesar Hernandez. Uh, Cesar Hernandez in the Nats two run eighth on Tuesday night, a two out eight pitch walk despite having been down in the count at one point 
0-2. A tremendous work by Cesar Hernandez to keep that inning alive. Cesar Hernandez on Tuesday night as an ad starting second baseman and number six batter. One for two with a double and two walks. Uh, he in the bottom of the second had a leadoff first pitch double to the left center field gap. He in the bottom of the fourth drew a wood out eight pitch walk despite having been down in that count at one point. One, two, and Hernandez on Monday night went 0 for 3 with two walks. He has four walks over the first two games of this series. Cesar Hernandez all of a sudden is a walk drawing machine. Understand, this is a guy who earlier this season was like never drawing walks. Cesar Hernandez over his first 34 games in the 2022 regular season totaled a mere six walks. That's it. And yet Cesar Hernandez now over his last 42 games has drawn 18 walks. A very encouraging trend here. Cesar Hernandez getting on base more. And then in the Nats' two-run eighth on Tuesday night came the Nats' other Hernandez coming through. Yadiel Hernandez, the big hit, the game-winning hit, a pinch, two-out, two-run double off the right-field warning track for a 3-1 Nats lead. So Michael Franco, the big hit in the Nats' two-run eighth on Monday night. Yadiel Hernandez, the big hit in an Nats two-run eighth on Tuesday night. Uh, really good stuff from the Nats in that eighth inning on Tuesday night. You know, the Nats for the game scored just three runs, had just six hits, did draw four walks, but went one for 10 with runners in scoring position. The Nats over the first two games of this series are two for 22 with runners in scoring position, and yet the Nats have won the first two games of this series in no small part because the two hits with runners in scoring position have been the two game-winning hits, the Michael Franco homer on Monday night and the Yadiel Hernandez double on Tuesday night. Uh, Juan Soto on Tuesday night as an at starting right fielder and number two batter, one for three with a single and a walk. Victor Robles on Tuesday night as an at starting center fielder and number nine batter, 0 for four with a strikeout, left five men on base. Robles continues to struggle this season. He, for the 2022 regular season, has an OPS of just 592. And we on Tuesday night had an Alcides Escobar sighting. Uh, Escobar actually played. Uh, this was his first game since the Nats reinstated him from the 10-day injured list the previous Tuesday, June 21st. Uh, Escobar on Tuesday night as the Nats starting shortstop and number seven batter, one for three with a single. In the bottom of the fourth, had a one-out first pitch single to left field. Game three for the Nats against the Pirates at Nationals Park is on Wednesday afternoon at 1.05. Understand the Nats this season have yet to author a sweep. They can change that on Wednesday afternoon. Paolo Espino will be the Nats starting pitcher. So the Orioles late night on Tuesday night were the victims of a one-hit shutout, uh, a 2-0 loss at the Seattle Mariners. Former Nationals prospect Robbie Ray and two Mariners relievers combined for the one-hit shutout. Uh, The Orioles' only hit was a single by first baseman Ryan Mountcastle, who also had a stolen base. Uh, Mountcastle is having a really good month of June, especially in terms of hitting for power. He's slugging uh, well over 600 for the month of June. His hit on Tuesday night uh, was only a single, though. But yeah, the O's got one hit on Tuesday night. Uh, this loss for the O's was just their second loss in seven games. O's in the 2022 regular season now are 35-41 and 41, uh, last in the American League East. So bad night for the O's offensively on Tuesday night. But for me, the biggest item from this game on Tuesday night for the O's was that Dean Kramer was great again. What is happening with Dean Kramer right now 
is so encouraging. Uh, Dean Kramer on Tuesday night was good for a fourth consecutive start. He tossed seven scoreless innings. Uh, gave up just four hits, a double, and three singles. He issued two walks and a wild pitch. He recorded five strikeouts. He threw 97 pitches, 58 strikes, versus 29 balls. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde in his postgame session with reporters early Wednesday morning on what was working for Dean Kramer on Tuesday night. Really everything. Uh, he pitched outstanding. Seven grid innings. Uh, pitched out of trouble there late. But really impressed with how aggressive he is in the strikes, like we, like we talked about before the game. Uh, good fastball, good cutter, good curveball, threw some good changeups to left handers, just had everything working. Uh, just a really well pitched game by both sides. So, Dean Kramer now has made five starts in the 2022 regular season. He has an ERA of 129. He has been awesome. Uh, Kramer was on the 10 day injured list for a while, April 11th, retroactive to April 8th to June 5th with a left oblique strain. His first start off the 10-day IL came in a 3-2 loss to the Cleveland Guardians at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on June 5th, three runs in four into third innings. He since then has been on some kind of a roll. 10-7 win at the Kansas City Royals on June 12th, two runs, one earned in five innings. one nothing win over the Tampa Bay Rays at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on June 17th, six scoreless innings, with five strikeouts. 4 nothing win at the Chicago White Sox last Thursday night. Five and two-thirds scoreless innings. Now, he did not have a single clean inning in the game. Put a good number of guys on base, but still five and two-thirds scoreless innings. And now what he did on Tuesday night in this 2 nothing loss at the Mariners. Seven scoreless innings. And it's important to understand how things went for Dean Kramer last season. Dean Kramer in the 2021 regular season at the major league level for the O's was atrocious. 13 starts, 53 and two-thirds innings, ERA of 755. The O's during the 2021 regular season twice demoted Dean Kramer to AAA Norfolk. Maybe the single worst outing by any Orioles pitcher in any game in the 2021 season was a Dean Kramer outing, a 9-0 loss to the Toronto Blue Jays in Buffalo on June 24th, 2021. Dean Kramer in that game, six runs recorded, just one out. Note the date, by the way, June 24th, 2021, just a little more than a year ago now. And what a difference a year has made here for Dean Kramer. Uh, this season is his age 26 season. Dean Kramer was acquired by the O's in the Manny Machado trade. July 2018, the O's dealing third baseman slash shortstop Manny Machado to the Los Angeles Dodgers for a package of prospects. Dean Kramer was a part of that package. It's a funny deal with the O's because going into this season, you felt pretty good about their young position players, but you had a lot of questions about the young pitchers. Well, we've had very much a mixed bag with Orioles pitchers so far this season. It has been discouraging what has happened over the last few weeks with young pitchers like Kyle Bradish and Bruce Zimmerman, but we are seeing some really good things from guys like Dean Kramer and Tyler Wells, and Kramer continued to do well uh, with his outing on Tuesday night. I mean, seven scoreless innings, hard to complain 
about that. Also hard to complain about the Orioles' defense. Uh, man, are the Orioles playing some defense this season. Uh, center fielder Cedric Mullins on Tuesday night, another impressive catch, a diving forward backhanded catch to Rob Ejugenio Suarez with a runner on second and the game scoreless for the final out in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, right fielder Austin Hayes had another outfield assist. He threw out Abraham Toro at second base in his attempt to stretch a single into a double for the final out in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, the Orioles' third baseman, Tyler Nevin, made some impressive defensive plays on Tuesday night. The Orioles' defense continues to be extremely impressive. The O's entered Tuesday number three in the majors in team defensive runs saved at plus 39. Game three for the O's at the Mariners is on Wednesday afternoon at 4:10. Austin Voth will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. All right, one more item before we call it a show. Did you see what the ACC announced on Tuesday morning? The ACC on Tuesday morning announced that there will be no more divisions in football beginning with the 2023 season and lasting at least through the 2026 season. So no more Coastal Division, no more Atlantic Division. The ACC announced, quote, a new football scheduling model that will go into effect beginning with the 2023 season. The new model is based on a 3-5-5 structure whereby each team will play three primary opponents annually and face the other 10 league teams twice during the four-year cycle, once at home and once on the road. The schedule allows for each team to face all 13 conference opponents home and away at least once during the four-year cycle end quote. So each ACC football team will have three annual primary opponents. Virginia Tech's three annual primary opponents will be Virginia, Pitt, and Wake Forest. Virginia's three annual primary opponents will be Virginia Tech, Louisville, and North Carolina. I actually don't mind all of this. Uh, The ACC championship game starting in 2023 will feature the two best teams in the ACC as opposed to the winners of each ACC division. I get that you're going to have scheduling imbalance and some teams will face harder schedules and some teams will face easier schedules, but there's only so much that you can do when you have so many teams in a conference like this. And look, if you're Virginia Tech in Virginia, you luck out in not having, say, Clemson as an annual primary opponent. But again, all of this isn't until the 2023 season. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 347. We'll have much more on the great news of Tuesday afternoon. The commanders having reportedly agreed with Terry McLaurin on a three-year contract extension. I have some special guests lined up for the rest of the week to talk about the news and more with the commanders. Uh, also on Thursday's show, I'll get you set for the start of NBA free agency for our Wizards. It is on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern that NBA teams may begin negotiating with free agents from other teams. And I, on Thursday's show, will talk Nationals and Orioles. Game three for the Nats against the Pittsburgh Pirates at Nationals Park is on Wednesday afternoon at 1.05. Game three for the O's at the Seattle Mariners is on Wednesday afternoon at 4.10. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Give me a hell yeah! (laughs) 